Please be seated. The year was 2007, and um, I was in seminary, and I would like to, love to be able to tell this story and, and say that it, I was doing something, you know, athletic or amazing or something like that, but we all know better. Um, I was crooked over, bent over, getting something out of the oven when my back gave out. Of course, I told my dad that I was saving a cat out of a tree, but um, my back gave out, and I doubled over in pain on the floor and was all crooked. And um, it was suggested to me that I call an orthopedist here in Birmingham and drive down to Birmingham from Sewanee. And for any of you that have ever dealt with an orthopedic doctor before, you call and you say, you know, my, my back's out, uh, I'm in immediate pain, I need to be seen. And they say, okay, our first appointment's in six weeks. So they're exceedingly busy, they just are. And so uh, this one particular place that I called said, um, we can work you in. All right, so come on in. I didn't know at the time what work you in meant, but I do now. Um, so I drove down to Birmingham and began the process of waiting. Now, I've never been very good at waiting, um, especially in this day and age. Then, in 2007, we didn't have the iPhone yet. It was about two years before it would come out. Now, I will give myself over to the slothfulness of staring at an iPhone for two hours if I'm left in my own devices. Then, we had other enriching things that we could do, like People and Us magazine, <laughs> or the National Enquirer, or whatever, you know. Um, or, you know, if you wait long enough, it would detract into people watching, which is never good because there's judgment involved in that, whatever, however it looks like. The readings today are about waiting. Um, each one is a little bit of a vignette, uh, a, a slice of life, or a view into different pieces of the Bible. The first one we have is the beautiful Abram and Abrahamic narrative of the things that would happen to Abram, the things that had come to pass. So um, impatient had he become with his waiting um, that his wife had been barren, that he had a slave have his child, and of course God says today, that will not be your child, or I will give you as many children as there are stars in the heaven. How will this come to pass? It will look like this. How long is that going to take? I'm old. My wife is barren. We have this whole constant waiting that just occurs in this narrative, and how difficult it must be for Abraham to wait upon wait upon waiting, even though we know the rest of the story, so to speak. The first hour went by at the doctor's office, and so I thought, well, it's an hour. I've waited for a regular doctor for an hour, so it's not that big of a deal. And I began the process of heading into my second hour. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I can remember thinking that I was, I could feel my anger, my tension level start to rise. 
in the second vignette in the Scriptures today, Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, the Philippians, has another narrative about waiting. Because you see, this is 70 years post the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and Paul is telling them, hold, wait, hold on, because they thought that Jesus was coming back immediately. They thought it was going to be a week, maybe a month. They didn't know 75 years later they'd still be there, and they're starting to walk away from the faith, or they're starting to change the faith. They're starting to create things that didn't exist before, Gnostic writings and all sorts of heresies and all sorts of items to sort of pacify what they had thought was right. And Paul is telling them, wait, hold on, don't do that yet. Be an impersonator of me. Do what I do. Stay firm in your faith. Later on, he'll go on even further and he'll say, press on toward the goal. He'll use that language. And he'll actually say um, that this is a, a race of endurance he talks about. Because it's not a sprint, it is a marathon. And this is a man who's writing this letter from prison. So I think he knows a little bit about waiting, probably. He's writing from prison. He feels like he's got one more call left in him as a preacher. He would have been about 65, 70 years old at this point. He is politically savvy, so he's saying hello to this one and that one and writing letters to churches everywhere. He feels like he's going to get to go one more place, and Rome is the next place where he's going. He's looking for money for a Spanish mission. Rome's ultimately where he'll end up, but he'll never make it out alive. All the while, preaching to them to please wait and keep your patience. Well, I headed into the second hour at the doctor's office, and at about the two-and-a-half-hour mark, I'd had enough. And so I stood up, and I went to the lady who was there as you signed in. She saw me coming. She was a rather large, imposing-looking lady, and um, she had, you know, glasses on the nose. She, she saw me. She was watching me. And as soon as I got there, she goes, I know what you want. I said, what's that? She said, you're a work-in. She said, I'm sorry. We'll get to you as quickly as we can. And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm about to have to leave. She said, no, literally like the doctor's 15 or 20 minutes away from, from seeing you. And so, of course, I, oh, you know, throw myself around and go sit down, acting like the petulant child that I am. I sat down, and I saw something that I've never witnessed before, nor do I ever, hopefully, I never want to witness it again. But a gentleman who was there uh, in the office suddenly had a seizure. I'd never seen that before. As I said, never want to see it again. They had laid him out flat on the floor. Actually, he fell out flat on the floor. I, could, I heard his head hit the tile. And I watched the most helpless thing to wait like that, to watch that happen to a person. There's nothing you can do. Doctors and nurses, of course, flood in. I think the most phenomenal part about it, though, is that 15, 20 minutes later, this man was sitting in his chair, drinking a glass of water, 
He was weak, but he was saying, oh, I just give glory to God. I give glory to God that I'm here. This has happened to me before. It's because of this, this, and this. And all I can do is give thanks and praise. And I remember sitting there thinking, how trite am I complaining about waiting for a two-and-a-half-hour doctor's visit? when somebody's just had a seizure. How difficult it is for me to have to wait when so many Americans have their nose pressed up against the glass of the best hospitals in the United States and can't even get in because they have no health insurance. Jesus today has a moment where Herod has been waiting what feels like forever for him to rise up and be the Messiah they expected, the one that would yield a sword, the one that would kill people and take over the land, the one that would try to assassinate Herod himself. He's been waiting for it. He's been looking for it. And it's not happening. Instead, what they got is they got an itinerant preacher who'd never been to seminary, who spends three years walking around the countryside, healing people, showing the light of God, in those places that are broken because that's where the light gets in. Telling people to wait. It's coming. And then he has this moment, this interesting moment today with Herod. It's something that you don't get in any of the other Gospels and is a great story because it starts out with, go and tell that fox. Now, let me just tell you that the only thing I can ever think of when I hear this reading is Austin Powers. Oh, behave, baby. You know, if you, it's, I could just hear, go and tell that fox for me. And he tells him something that's, you know, pretty interesting. He says, I'm doing this on this day, this on this day, and this on this day, and that's where I'm at. I'm working. You're going to have to wait. And the next time that you'll see me won't be until I come back here into Jerusalem when you welcome me as a king and say, glory to God in the highest, Hosanna in the highest as they bring him into town on the foal of the donkey. And then he'll be crucified. The road that we walk right now is a road of internal displacement as we look at where we are in our lives. And it is a place where we wait for God to come to us and speak to us. Today, we had the beautiful penitential order at the beginning of the service. It's not something that we typically do here at St. Stephen's. In fact, in my tenure of 10 years, we've never done a penitential order that I can remember, but John thought it was important that we do it, and I agree with him. And you have that wonderful beginning to it, the Shema, the uh, hero, Lord, hero people of Israel, the Lord your God is one. That is the introductory prayer at all Jewish services, the Shema. But hear what it says. It says, hear, not listen, and don't speak. Prayer in this aspect is to hear, for God to speak to us. So now we wait expectantly. We know what the story is. The next piece that will turn to us is when we will wait for three days 
not knowing the rest of the story for sure, but looking for the resurrection of the one who will save us. Amen. Let us